Here, maybe put it down. Nice. Hi, Rhino. Hey, dude. Who who would I be on Barbell Shrugged? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> He's Bledsoe. He's Mike Bledsoe. Avi. Hello Pretty and sure. welcome to episode 29 of the Restoring Human podcast. I am Jarek Bakken here with Dr. Alex Arguello and our good friend, Dr. Austin Right Teal. here in the middle, Dr. <laughs> oh, uh, I don't know, Dr. Austin, <laughs> Austin Teal. Um, if you recognize this scene, this is the gym that we frequent, and this is the place where uh, Austin kind of puts all this stuff together. Austin's one of the owners here. Uh, at the gym, and yeah, we're going to talk to him today about a number of different things. First of all, thank you for having. Ha first of all, thank you for letting us come in and <laughs> record stuff here pretty regularly. <laughs> uh, but and being here with us today, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, here's some stuff I want to talk about. I want to talk a little bit about just kind of your story and how you got to where you are, what you're doing today. Uh, I want to talk about, uh, after we get to what you do today, some of the nuance of the people you train now um, and certain aspects of that. And then we definitely want to talk about, we've hinted at it already, um, some of the stuff you've got going on here within the next couple of weeks. So anyway, cool. let's, let's, uh, let's start with you. Who are you and why the heck should we listen to you about anything? <laughs> Um, yeah, so I've been doing this fitness thing for about, shoot, four years now. Um, really got into fitness when I was, say, probably senior year of high school, maybe freshman year of college. Um, was always that skinny kid, could not put on weight to save my life. Um, was, like, overly self-conscious about it. And really got into working out. I uh, actually played golf uh, for two years um, in what? college. So yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause, right I'm, I'm pause the story here. Um, <laughs> you... you <laughs> You went to, I believe it was elementary school with my wife. I did. I did. And Interesting. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. So You're when, welcome. When we started coming down here and she told her parents who owned the gym, they were like, Austin owns a gym? Because <laughs> they knew you as a, as a skinny kid from <laughs> elementary yep. school. That was me. <laughs> that was me growing up. Um, yeah, so that was always me, and then uh, got into college and really got into working out. Um, dabbled with it a little bit when I was in high school. Did what we called bigger, faster, stronger at the time um, in my high school. Got introduced to some of the uh, Olympic lifts a little bit and whatnot, and then your normal strength and conditioning type of program, and then really got heavy into like bodybuilding style stuff. Never any shows or anything like that, but that was my pretty much my whole, let's see, freshman of college through junior year of college. Um, I was doing all kinds of bodybuilding stuff, and then... Uh, this whole CrossFit thing kind of came out, and I was a, uh, I was a big anti-CrossFit guy in the beginning, um, and I was more so, I just want to lift weights. Um, I think people are silly for doing this. Like, if you want to be the best at fitness, you're kind of silly. And um, But then I also kind of had this moment where I realized that I really, really, really hated cardio uh, on a treadmill or an elliptical or something like this. So I um, started dabbling with um, when I would mix in my, my days where I needed to to get my cardio in, um, pulling different main site workouts, so CrossFit.com workouts, um, and that's what I would do for my cardio. So I did that. Um, that was at the University of Iowa, um, and then fast forward, I was uh, I was always wanting to own a gym, um, but knew I wouldn't really have the money um, right out of college or anything like that. And I had interned at Target um, with their management program. Was going to work for Target right after college. Um, and then they tried to send me to Burlington, Iowa. Had no, no desire to live in Burlington, Iowa whatsoever. No offense to anyone that is out there from Burlington. Um, and <laughs> so, so I'm like, no, I'm good. Um, and walked away from that, which is actually a really good paying job and awesome program and stuff like that. And, uh, and we started to fast forward this whole fitness thing. Um, I started, uh, hopefully this doesn't get me in trouble and whatnot, but I started training people um, out of like random YMCAs or gyms. Um, kind of on the low. No one really knew I was doing it. Um, and that's where I built up a smaller clientele. I probably had three, four, five personal training clients and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And we were doing everything from, uh, depending on kind of what their goals were, we did everything from some powerlifting stuff, some bodybuilding stuff, some CrossFit stuff, like, you know, all over the place based on their goals and stuff, um, which is still what we do today. And, um, but then I met a uh, guy named Seth Ross, who's my uh, 
my business partner here, my co-owner in 1031 Fitness. And uh, he had this small little garage gym that was probably 1,200 square feet. That's actually not too far from here now. And uh, I just trained out of there um, originally. So I was training people, doing a little bit of classes and stuff like that. Um, and we started to grow, constantly grew. Um, we grew into two other facilities. Him and I teamed up and took this thing on together. And now we're here, um, where we've got about six to 7,000 square foot of space. Um, and, you know, kind of our day-to-day is, is we've got classes every single day um, that are the group training model. And then, uh, you know, a lot of my days are spent one-on-one sessions. Um, and that's everything from women to men, age 22 to I've got some clients that are age 68. So um, nice. all over the place, wide variety of things. Um, and it's been a blast doing it. That's cool. That's very cool. What were you going to do at Target? I was going to manage people, and honestly, I was going to stock a lot of shelves. I was like a glorified shelf stocker. <laughs> I was, I'm not going to say that, but I'm not even kidding. Um, so my process, I was really loud. Uh, so my process, I was going to be an overnight logistics guy. So I was going to be up at like 3 in the morning, um, would go to Target. They would get a truck in. They'd have all the boxes come in. Um, I would run a team that gets all those boxes off of a truck onto the shelves. And then, I mean, there's like analytical sides of things and technical sides of things that I was doing and whatnot too. But yeah, I interned there for two years. It was kind of my path. Um, I'm 27 now. My plan was not to start a gym until about now. I was probably going to work at Target from like 22, 23 until 27. Lightly do it on the side if I could. Um, Save some money. Save some money up and whatnot and and start a gym. But but it all kind of of fast forwarded itself and uh, we accelerated the process. You just didn't like red shirts? I didn't like red shirts. I've thrown every red shirt. You'll notice I very rarely wear red shirts, and it's all because <laughs> of Target, <laughs> legitimately. And I don't wear khaki pants very much. That's reasonable. <laughs> That's reasonable. These, these, these pants are green. Yeah, you're good. Uh, good. <laughs> and they're stretchy. <laughs> so you said that most of your day-to-day now, um, your time personally, is actually filled up with a lot of one-on-one stuff. Mm-hmm. More what we would call personal training. Um, There seems to be, and I think just knowing some of the clients that you work with, it it seems like you have a decent amount of experience with more of a demographic that's like they may not have ever stepped foot in a gym before. Yeah. Um, From those experiences, what have like what have you learned about? Honestly, some of like the psychology of getting people, whether it's motivated or like continuing to do something, like what are some ins and outs that you've kind of learned from working with that type of client? The beginner? Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, this is a, it's a psychological game. I mean, the the whole fitness world and the whole, uh, the personal training world, I tell any trainer that we have that comes in, um, you got to be able to connect with people and you got to get people to connect with, uh, some type of regimen that kind of connects with them. Um, and a lot of that comes through kind of trial and error. Um, we have different things that I will run th- someone through every time, day one. Um, I mean, I'm going to teach you how to squat. I'm going to teach, teach you how to hinge. Um, and I'm going to teach you how to press. And then from there, we're going to talk about your goals. And then that's kind of where we break down the psychology side of things. Um, but what we see, um, the reason we're such big believers in, at least in the beginning, starting with a personal touch or you know personal sessions and whatnot, is that it allows us to kind of get to know your psychological signs behind what you want and how we can kind of get you to where you want. Um, and the way everyone ticks is different. Um, I mean, I could use all three of us right now in terms of how all of us tick. We all do fitness every day, but like what makes you tick is not what makes me tick. And what makes you tick is not what makes Alex tick necessarily um, all the time. Like, and when I come into the gym, I need to know what makes me tick personally um, and why I'm there, not just from a health standpoint. Um, Cause I think we all know that we all, can and should and need to get healthier, um, that we need to sweat, that we need to eat better, um, you know, that we need to get our heart rate up every day, but, and move. Um, but the reason why each person moves is kind of what we try to get behind. Um, sure. cause if you can kind of figure that out, I think that's kind of the, the way you can push past, uh, the, the barriers that they'll run into if they were to just start their fitness journey in January and probably leave by February. Um, and I think that's where you see a lot of, of people struggle when they, they do that whole new year resolution thing. Um, where they, they walk into a gym and um, maybe, maybe they know how to do some stuff. Maybe they're using weights, maybe they're using uh, some cardio equipment and stuff like that, but they don't really have anyone to show them and kind of break through that whole thing of, you know, why am I here? Um, what style of training do I like? Um, and that's what we've kind of figured out 
a system, I'd say, to, to help you figure that out. And, and that differs with every client I have. I mean, I've got clients that are like, I want to be stronger and, and every day, and that's what makes them tick. Um, and I've got other clients that are like, I do not care how strong I get at all. I just want to look better. Um, and then I've got some clients that are just like, hey, I want to move better. I want to have fun while I do this. Uh, I want to be healthy. You know, I want to live longer. Um, I think we can kind of ball all of those up for, for everyone. We can give you a little bit of each of those. But I think you kind of have, have to at least figure out what you can cater to um, and figure out what your bias is going to be for each person. Sure. Yeah, it's kind of like <clears throat> the big like the big advantage to that is if somebody's kind of sitting at home on their own, searching the Internet, looking for this perfect thing for them, not really having any clue of what's going on, very rarely is somebody going to land on something that's well fit for kind of their goals and what they're going for. But a huge advantage of kind of coming to a guy like you who, like, this is what you do, mm-hmm. being able to not hear from them, like, they don't know, oh, I want to, you know, squat this much. I want to be able to run this fast or whatever. It's it's more they're kind of coming at you with more lifestyle stuff and like, yeah, I just want to look better. And then you're able to be kind of more of the background, okay, this is how we can do this, and I'm just going to simply tell you what to do, and you don't have to worry about all this stuff. That's, right. that's what it seems like. Yeah, yeah, I think you're, you're 100% on with that. Um, and that comes from, we, it's, it's been a lot of trial and error. We've, like I said, we've been doing this for four years, which isn't an insane amount of time, but it's enough to, to screw up some things and, and learn from them and get better at some things and whatnot. And um, like I said, anyone, and I tell this to clients all the time, anyone who, who comes and trains with me is going to get the, the same first four to five sessions. They're going to be the same. Um, mm-hmm. And it's from there that we kind of adapt. And uh, I think that's a big thing, too, um, with people is, is you've got to be able to, to listen a lot of times. Um, you might be kind of stuck in your ways in terms of how you want to train someone, but if someone's not responding well and they're not having fun with it or at least enjoying it a little bit, um, you can't treat their training style the same way as that client you have that just loves to hurt. Like he loves to just get, you know, destroyed by a workout. Um, you got to kind of listen to him and then, you know, kind of pivot from there. I think you do a lot of pivoting. Um, we do that just by obviously always listening and always having communication with a client, but but also we do uh, we do check-ins every two to three months um, with clients and we kind of reevaluate goals and and whatnot and and that kind of helps kind of create a blueprint for them. Sure. What would you say are some of like the the key pieces to kind of motivating somebody right off the bat, as well as maintaining uh, finding rhythm finding new habits like what what are some key pieces there that you know the majority of people like we we've talked before about some statistics of people trying to get healthy like the majority of the people don't have what it takes when they try something they failure rate is astronomical there's there's just something lacking there is there is there key stuff that you have seen and experienced and work to like address in terms of are you are you saying in terms of tapping into the, the motivation side for people yeah, so that yeah. they don't fall off in the beginning basically yeah um yeah i think that's huge um that's probably if you were to say what's one of your biggest challenges um doing what you do that's probably one of the biggest ones um if not the biggest one mm-hmm. um and that's where it, i would call it reframing um you kind of have to reframe the way someone looks at actually progressing um because I, I, I tell this to clients all the time, uh, there's a lot of different factors in losing weight, in gaining muscle, um, and even moving well. Um, and there's a lot, of, a lot of different things that are uncontrollable. Um, you can control what you can control, um, and that's what you've got to stay with. But th- I think the consistency side is key. But um, we look at just finding ways, usually for me, um, when I'm sitting down with a client, within that first month, we can kind of figure out how their body's going to respond. Um, you get people that uh, are going to shed, say they want to lose weight. You get people that are going to shed fast, and they, they shed it very, very fast. Um, and so for them, honestly, a lot of times it's, it's kind of pulling the reins back because six months from now they're not going to lose weight that fast. It's going gonna, it's gonna to slow down at some point. They're going to they're gonna hit a little bit of a wall. Um, but then you'll see a lot of other people that they might be working out, and they might be uh, you know in those first two weeks and say, we're just trying to really get them to, to learn how to move well. Um, we're not trying to throw necessarily an insane amount of intensity at them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and they can get frustrated because they're like, I didn't lose any weight, or I lost a pound, or I lost two pounds. Um, but if you look at the big picture of things with them, um, we're big on set short-term goals, um, and this sounds kind of cheesy, but it's, it's true. Set short-term goals, and then also have your long-term goals. Um, and keep yourself accountable on those things. Um, I think the biggest thing, and I don't know if you guys have talked about this or not, but the, the biggest thing that people look at is usually they're coming to me for weight loss. That's just that's what most people want. They sure. want to look better and they want, they want to lose weight. Sure. Um, and they, that, that number comes from, a lot of times, from a scale is what they look at. So one of the biggest things, motivation side, that we see is, is we'll take measurements because um, usually measurements don't lie. Um, someone could lose two pounds in like six weeks, but they could have lost 12 inches. Um, and that excites people. That usually gets people amped up. Um, and if you can get them still progressively moving forward, that's where you start to uh, start to see people just kind of hang on, and they'll kind of sure. hang on. And then usually there's a break, uh, like a breakthrough moment in, in terms of things. Like in the beginning, I'll, I'll be honest. There's probably, I'd say sometimes there's 50 percent of clients that I have in that first probably we'll say eight weeks um, that it's just it's all about hanging on. Like we got to hang on and, and realize that like this is a slow process. It's yeah. not going to be fast. Um, Shows like The Biggest Loser have kind of ruined everyone's head. Like, their <laughs> head's all screwed up. Like, I'm going to lose 60 pounds in, like, six weeks. Like, this insane amount. But it's not realistic. Um, and it, it just sets you up for failure, too, is, is the reality thing. So, um, I think yeah, our job is, is... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, and our job is to, to really educate them on, you know, what's the average amount of weight that someone could even use, lose a week that's, that's healthy. Um, and whatnot, and then they start to get the, the big picture of things and whatnot. But like I said, I mean, it, it's, it really is, it's all a psychological game. Um, it's all tapping into, okay, what makes them tick? Um, maybe in the beginning they're getting frustrated because they're not losing weight, but they get amped up every time because they like to do CrossFit-style workouts and time their workouts and see what their time was compared to someone else's time or what sure. their time was compared to their own time. Um, so honestly, I don't know how I forgot about this, but this is really one of the bigger things I do. Um, honestly, what I do is I have in those first five workouts, um, I have like kind of what I call baseline tests, and it'll be a workout. Um, so for example, so anyone comes in here first, I'm going to teach them how to squat. I'm going to teach them how to press, and I'm usually going to teach them how to hinge, so how to deadlift something basically. Um, I'll have each three of those, and then we'll put them in a workout and say it's going to be 15, 12, 9 of each of those. So I'm going to do 15 of each of those movements, 12 of each of those movements, and 9 of each of those movements. Before I do that, they're going to get on a rowing machine. They're going to row 200 meters. At the end, they're going to row 200 meters. Um, it's enough for them as a beginner um, to make them start to get a little gassed. Um, but I also never want to kill someone that first workout because that can be very discouraging. And it's very common. Like, there are so many trainers out there that will just beat you into a wall that first day. And it's yeah. extremely discouraging. Um, <laughs> it, and, and honestly, I probably was that trainer like four years ago. So, again, you've learned from uh, your mistakes. But... Um, so we'll take that workout and then say six weeks from now, we'll do that same workout again. Sure. And 100% of the time, they're going to do better. Sure. Um, so seeing things like that allow them to have some encouragement. And even if, you know, maybe they only were a minute better with that and whatnot. But the fact that Sally wasn't it's breathing it's heavy. Measurable. Yeah, it's, they can measure it. So Sally wasn't breathing heavy like she was then. And she didn't feel like she was going to mm -hmm. throw up her breakfast that mm -hmm. second time and whatnot. And so she could do a part B to that workout if she wanted to. So those are ways. And that's what's so cool about, you know, the style of fitness that we do. And this is not just me as a, a personal trainer, but we do here at 1031. And just, you know, a lot of people are doing now, especially in, in the CrossFit world, the group training world is, we're really just making a game out of getting healthier, basically, and just moving better. I mean, that's kind of what it is every day. Yeah. Um, you know, we have these these scores on the board and whatnot. And, yeah. you know, some people are incredibly competitive about it, but really it's just a big game. Um, you're saying, okay, this is a workout that I don't know. <laughs> this is a workout that I don't know. Um, <laughs> coming into the day, I just walk through these doors. I don't know what's going to come at me. And then I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it, like, with these people. And some people view it as, like, against those people. I view it as, like, with those people sometimes. Um, but it's cool, you know, it, it makes it fun as opposed to, again, if this is how you, you jam out to fitness, that's fine. But I don't, I don't like to go in and hop on like an elliptical for 40 minutes and like watch daytime TV. Like yeah. that just, that, that doesn't get me amped up. Well, like, there, yeah. There's zero people that like to do that. Yeah. But that's, yeah. Just what, <laughs> that's just what they've been told to do. Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. So um, that's what I think is, you know, is cool. And that's, that's how you kind of help tap into that, that motivation side. Yeah. <laughs> if you think you like to do that, you're just lying to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I try to take the next round. And you want to tell people, Jeez. no, you don't like it. You don't, you don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I see there's so many similarities into what I do of 
with chiropractic is, you know, eventually when we, we want to get somebody to a point where they understand that chiropractic is just important for overall health. Like if they want health, vitality, long life, and not miserable and sick, then they have to be taking care of their spine and nervous system. But before they ever understand that, they're coming in most likely because they have some sort of a symptom, mm-hmm. you know. So same people coming to you, they want to lose a bunch of weight. Yes, you're most likely help them meet that goal, but you're also going to be explaining to them that exercise is just important for overall health. So that's why you really should be doing it, and that's why you should do it even when you hit this goal that you want to hit. Um, because if you don't, if you stop, then you're just going to go back to where you're at. But even if you didn't do that, you're still not doing exercise for the right reason, which is, again, just overall health and vitality, what you want, really, if you think about it. Yeah, I think you, you, you nailed it there because um – the other thing you see that we didn't even talk about is you see a lot of times people have maybe they have a goal and that's great and so maybe we hit we hit that goal, but then when we hit that goal. Where's our motivation from? Like if we right. were just working sure. out for that goal only right. and not kind of falling in love with that process and understanding, which that comes comes down to us too. You have to educate them. I mean, I'm same thing with right. you with chiropractic. You got to educate them on terms of why they're coming to you, what you're doing, and whatnot. Right. Same thing with us. We got to educate you and and let you know that this has to be you know a lifestyle change and not just like hey I've got. I got to be beach ready for my trip to Cancun in two mm-hmm. months, because yeah. then, like you said, they'll fall off, and then you know they'll resort back to it. And two years later, we're we're having the same conversation again. Right. So this is probably could be a question for both of you guys, um, so you can tag team this. But we keep talking about this person that goes into the gym and maybe pays like ten bucks a month or something, and gets on the treadmill every few months, and watching TV. There's no intensity. They're there for a long time. The place stinks. Like it's just a miserable way to exercise. So like, what are all the reasons why they would want to come and learn how to, so you said press and squat and hinge, these type of things. So what's better about what you're talking about compared to, other than it just being really boring what they're going to do? You want to start and I'll, and I'll, I'll finish? You bet. <laughs> so I'm conveniently looking at this, uh, this big poster over here that says the 1031 experience i'll snap a photo of it and post it on instagram or something um but there's these three big points here first one is well it says train with expert coaches no workout is the same community that motivates so i guess the the training with expert coaches no workout the same like some of that stuff falls into that but anyway uh it's like the, the the stuff that we're doing in here, so this style of training is sometimes called functional fitness. Uh, and the biggest reason it's called that is because it's, it's functions that this human body that you've been given were made to do. Um, when, when you just get onto the internet and find like, okay, people understand how to a sit-up and a push-up and this kind of stuff. They're like, okay, I see what that like looks like, and okay, I think I can you know do that by myself. It lacks not only those bigger goals like you were talking about and that long-term vision. It's probably very isolated to you know the whatever you want to call it. Find the workout that says this is the best fat-burning five minutes yeah. of your life type yeah. of thing. <laughs> Um, not only is it lacking that bigger picture, but it's also lacking, I'm seeing here this train with expert coaches thing, it's lacking understanding how you're moving and why you're moving and how your body's kind of made to move. I mean, I can even, even with the people who are going to be showing up here for this class that's about to start, I could probably ask if it's 10 people to do a push-up and I might get 10 different styles of push-ups and maybe one of them will be doing it how their body's designed to do a push-up, but yeah. maybe not. And so I think, I guess, especially from my perspective, that's one of the huge advantages to working out with somebody else's eyes on you, instructing you on how your body was made to move um, and helping you get to that point. We live compromised lives sitting at desks and you know whatever the heck we do all day. Um, and we're we're not we're not using our bodies the way that they can and should be moving, and so it takes a little extra effort to kind of get back to that place and understand. Oh, okay, this is how I should pick something up off the ground without hurting myself. It's like 
nothing nothing we do is dangerous in and of itself doing anything poorly is going to be dangerous yeah um but like i know that austin could go pick up 500 pounds right now and do it safely and how a human should pick up 500 pounds grab somebody off the street and they go try to do anything with that and they're probably gonna hurt themselves yeah and i I think to your point um i'm sure you got more to add to it too but i think to your point with the i think we all need coaches um and that's that's not even being in a in, in a corny way um I think we do. I mean, one of the other big things you go date back to, to some of the personal training clients I have. I probably have, I probably have five guys who I train um, who like to lift weights, and they would be totally fine doing it on their own. They've done it on their own. They pulled plans off the internet, and I'm talking about plans from like big time guys, guys that I know that are that are respected. They're not silly or you know stupid plans or anything like that. And then they go do them at your we'll say ten dollar a month gym. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get hurt. It happens a lot of times. It has happened with all five of these guys. Um, and it's nothing wrong with them, but they had nobody watching them. They had no one there with them. Um, and you could argue, okay, we'll have a training partner somewhere and whatnot, and that, that person can watch you and stuff like mm-hmm. that too. And, I, and I'm not against that. Like that's kind of what I came up in was always working out with one or two other people and stuff like that. Um, but it, a coach has a different level of knowledge in terms of, of having an eye on you. Um, and, and a coach is going to be able to tell you your, your why behind you're doing something wrong and probably give you a few cues to, to correct it. But, yeah, to your point, I'll even go a step further. There's guys you could probably pull off the street because there were these guys when I used to work out at, uh, at the gym that's in our, our downtown YMCA that might have recently got out of jail and been just stupid strong, like had no technique at all, but were stupid strong. And they might be able to pick up that same 500-pound barbell as I can, um, but they're not going to do it efficiently, and they're not going to do it with good mechanics. Um, and so that's where a coach can obviously have some guidance with something like that too. Um, and I think that's kind of how the, the, the group model evolved, um, was it, it allows for there to be 10 people in a class and – You've got these coaches that are educated on how to run a class and how to look at and spot the flaw in each person's movement patterns and whatnot and give you a cue to work on um, and still do, do, do workouts. Because um, we all can, let's be honest, we, we all can, at some point now, we all can find a workout that we can do, whether it be, you know, the silly Instagram five-minute, like, fat burner or something that actually does make a lot of sense. You can find something on the Internet. Um, but if you can do it on the internet or take it off the internet and do it somewhere the way it's supposed to be done is a different story. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people pulling stuff off the internet and it's not their own fault, but they're pulling stuff off the internet to do a workout. And then they go to you know their local $10, $20 a month gym and, and they do it and they either get hurt themselves or mm-hmm. they don't get the proper what we call stimulus. Um, you know they, they don't get it done the way it's supposed to be done. Um, Every workout is different. Um, that's what we take a lot of pride in. Like, is that workout supposed to feel fast and crazy and leave me on my tail? Or is it more of a, a marathon? Am I supposed to kind of pace myself through that? Is it supposed to be heavy or is it supposed to be light? Like, right. that's the thing that your coach is going to be able to tell you um, that you're not going to know if you don't have, have, have a coach right. with you. Right. Marathon is a term of art. I'll probably never run 26 miles straight in my life. Same as <laughs> I know you're surprised by that, but <laughs> say <same piece. laughs> Yeah, so I guess working down this list here, you kind of mentioned no workout is the same. And again, that I think that plays into the uh, psychological piece of not only do people get bored of doing things over and over again, but then it also takes some weight off of the individual you don't have to show up at the gym and like know what you're gonna do there's somebody else that is doing that mental work for you you don't have to find a workout and even know if it's going to be beneficial for you uh that stuff's already going to be determined for you and that's especially that community piece at the bottom community that motivates it's like there is so much that goes on in this place that like my hands are completely off of all like of I, all of us really are. I mean, it's, like, it's natural it's weird and organic and it's yeah there's there's relationships built like within people who like i know they only come at 5 a.m i know they only come at 6 a.m and they've built things that like i have i have not cultivated other than just being here yeah yeah and those are some of the coolest things to see um 
you really can try to <clears throat> recreate them, mirror them um, in other settings, and it just doesn't happen for whatever reason that is. Um, and going back to touching on the, the every workout is different thing, I don't care really who you are. I'm sure there's plenty of studies on this. Um, I don't have anything specific, but I'm sure there's plenty of studies on this. I mean, psychologically, you are wired to enjoy it a little differently when it is different every single time. Um, it doesn't seem repetitive. I mean, I found, I, I found myself seeing that even back when I was doing only, you know, say bodybuilding stuff back in the day where I don't want to hit bench press sets of five. <laughs> even really a lot of times I don't like, I don't like having to do it for like four weeks straight. Like I feel like, yeah, I'm like, let's just, let's switch the number up. Let's change it up. Um, and there's a, there's a lot more detail that goes behind that and, and whatnot, but I don't want to see the same thing every time. It, it, it's not as fun. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and I think people just enjoy variety and variance um, every single day. Um, and I think there's this weird side of us that like not knowing what you're walking into um, takes all the excuses out the door. Um, you walk in and the fact that you didn't know that you were about to walk into having to bike 20 miles or something crazy like that um, is, is a different level because if you woke up that morning and you maybe knew you were already going to bike 20 miles, um, I think a lot of us would just sleep in. Yeah, and so. honestly, I think, it, I think it's even a level of, you know, they call it the unknown and unknowable. I think it's a, something that we really need because of what our lifestyle has become. Our, our, our days and our weeks and down to the hours and minutes, like they're all regimented and scheduled and we know exactly what to expect. I know that I can probably eat the exact same thing week after week and like I can probably go to bed at the same time and everything is like completely boxed in. And so that's not how life in the world has worked for a long, long time. Uh, but that's that's kind of our reality now. And so to have just kind of this element of like, oh, you're faced with a certain type of stress and now I've got to figure out how to deal with it. I think that's really good for us to figure out how to adapt to it. And I think it's why you see a ton of I mean, there's, I know there's all kinds of studies out there why a lot of entrepreneurs love these style of workouts. Sure. Um, I think especially when you work out in the morning, if you set your the, the tone of your day by kind of conquering something you didn't expect, you didn't know what's going to come at you because you look at all these entrepreneurs or you know, business owners and whatnot we run into things that we didn't expect to have happen every single day. Um, and so when you know that you've already done that inside these walls from a workout setting, I think mentally you're just, you're in a different place and, yep. and it's beneficial. Yep. Yeah, that's good. I know I asked the question, but I'm going to add to the answer here. <laughs> <laughs> Go off of what you guys were, were talking about there. Is there's, so there's a functional aspect of it, right? So if I actually learn how to press something properly, bend over and pick something up properly, squat down properly. Most likely, that means I'm going to be doing things more efficiently. That means I'm going to be doing things more safely, which means that that's probably going to go well for me for a long time, right? If I just go in and walk on a treadmill, I'm not learning anything other than how to walk. Yeah. Or it, well, and if that. Right. <laughs> you might be. I you, you might be doing that you, wrong. You like, <laughs> right, right. So that helps you in no other like that doesn't help you in any other circumstance in life other than just walking. So if I need to bend over and pick up something, if I need to help somebody move, if I need to chase kids around, if I need to press something, push something like this stuff is preparing us for everyday life. So that's way different than somebody just going to some gym and, you know, doing bicep curls even, or even bench press, that type of stuff. But the other thing is just to go along with what you guys are just saying, like one of the in my mind, one of the best ways to see if somebody's actually healthy is just can they survive in tough environments? Yeah. So can they be out in the cold weather like if they had to survive? Can they actually be out there? So we should actually be exposing ourselves, which is why it's awesome to live in the Midwest and not just stay in Florida all the time because <laughs> you're not. You bring somebody up to friggin' Canada and they're from Florida, they're going to die a lot sooner than us. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that's why we live here. <laughs> Second thing that's is why. Right? that's why we live here. Well, that's what I'm saying. So that, that's another benefit of we've talked about fasting before. We need to give yeah. ourselves that sort of stress mm -hmm. so our body knows, okay, this is what stress feels like. I'm going to probably survive better than somebody else if there ever is a time where I can't have food, which mm -hmm. probably is not going to be the case. But it still is improving your body, the function of your body. Mm -hmm. So no, you guys are talking about the mind stuff, coming in here not knowing what's going to happen. So we just, from a mental standpoint, have to adapt, but just even physically 
like if we're stressing the body enough where our body has not been ex- has not experienced that i'm gonna be a lot better off in life because i've went through a lot of that yeah. stuff so then now if it's emotional stress if it's mental stress if it's physical stress that comes at me i've prepared for it because i'm here every day doing what i need to do in the gym you're never going to get that with just walking again walking on a treadmill or elliptical or even just the um typical dude workouts that go to those gyms yeah. you know you might be trying to press out an extra rep that's the stress that you're looking for right but yeah right. all the other stuff that this type of working out gives you right yeah you're not going to get anywhere else yeah. yeah it's it's really it's intentionally adding in <laughs> inti- intentionally adding in I, I guess you would call it stress but a, a situation where you have to adapt i mean we've we've talked before about you know like that's how you build muscle you strain something create a place where it needs to adapt like at the base base level but it's it's like we need to do this with how we're doing a lot of things we've talked about it with the food we're talking about it with the exercise it's like because we are so regimented we have to be intentional about adding in these things that are going to like cause us force us to have to deal with it yeah because we're not we're not necessarily experiencing in everyday life we're not experiencing a freaking grizzly bear that is right you know life-threatening and we sit on the couch (laughs) not stressful we eat whatever we want not stressful yeah we work and we come home and watch tv Eat, we eat things that create <laughs> other types of stress in our body. But right, but I mean, just like it's <laughs> not challenging, right? Yeah. Like thinking about food, yeah. having to go get my food. Right. None of that is right. any sort of stress. It's we can call whatever we want. We can go wherever we want. And just mm-hmm. get food. We don't have. We don't experience too many things that are like, whoa! I didn't know that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Except emotional stuff. But then now, because we don't experience that stuff on an everyday basis, now when something emotional happens, it just destroys most people. Yeah. And their health deteriorates from it because they haven't been, they haven't intentionally put themselves in environments where they have to respond and adapt accordingly. I yeah. think that's the, not to go too far in depth on that too, but that, I mean that was something that I found that people ask a lot of times, like why do you why why do I need to do these type of workouts in, in your gym? Why can't I go do them at you know the Y or that gym that's ten dollars a month in purple and uh, you know like things like that? <laughs> we uh, <laughs> already talked about this. <laughs> and so like you know the, the the biggest thing is like I used to try to do that. I would try to do these style workouts um, in what we had as like a rec center. And what you find yourself end up doing all the time is you're going to cherry pick things. You're going you're gonna to do the things you're good at. So I'm not going to do the workout that had the three movements that I'm terrible at. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just watching a, uh, a video. I don't remember what athlete it was, but a, uh, a CrossFit.com workout. And this guy was talking about there was, it was, there was three movements. Um, and he had to run, he had to do wall balls, and uh, box jumps. And he was like, I am okay at running. I am awful at wall balls, and I'm good at box jumps. And you see that almost with every workout. Like yeah. if there's three movements, mm-hmm. there's probably one I'm going to be pretty good at. There's one I'm going to be okay at. And there's one I'm going to suck at. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I force myself to go into that stress of still doing the thing I'm bad at and then still doing obviously the things I'm good at, it, the, the adaptation is going to be different than if I just went to the Y and did the same things that I know I'm yeah. pretty good at. And, you know, I'm, I'm not getting out of my comfort zone with those either. Right. That's yeah. good. Yeah, that's cool. So... You have a fun, unique um, event that's going to be starting here at the gym um, in a couple weeks. Can you fill us in a little bit about what the heck that's all about? Yeah, so we've got what we call the uh, the 1031 team trim down this year. We've done a trim down last year and in the past, um, which is just your, your typical six-week weight loss challenge. Um, this year we wanted to kind of put a, a tweak on things. We spent the last year kind of dialing in, diving in, I guess you could say, um, to different reasons behind, like we talked a little bit about this, but why we all train and whatnot. Um, and so one of the two biggest things that we see is people either work out here to lose weight um, and we'll say more so um, fulfill a certain image that they want to they look like, or there's a performance side. Um, and those are two of the main ones that we see. Um, and so what we want to do is kind of combine those two and be able to bring something from a, a cool community side um, uh, all together. So basically what we're doing is we're taking that, that weight loss challenge, um, doing that. So it'll be six weeks losing weight and whatnot. Um, and then on the performance side, 
we are going to essentially participate in this, the five weeks um, of the CrossFit Open. So every workout that the CrossFit Open releases every week, um, each individual that does this 1031 team trim down will be on a team, um, depending on how many people get signed up, but probably five to eight people per team. Um, and then each team has different ways they can earn points just from coming and doing a workout, just from... Um, you know, sending a picture of the green vegetables that they bought for their uh, their grocery list that week, you know, showing us what their protein sources are that they're going to eat that week and whatnot. So that our goal is what we have seen is uh, with six-week challenges, sometimes you can see a temporary fix um, with things, and we're like, okay, I'm going to lose a boatload of weight for these six weeks, uh, but I didn't create good habits necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, whereas our goal with this is we kind of created this point structure where it's not like, okay, just how much weight can you, you lose? It's like, I'm going to reward you for creating good habits. Yeah. Um, and, and that's going to attack it from every level um, or every angle, I should say, basically from, um, like I said, the nutrition side, the lifestyle side, and then the, uh, the fitness side itself. Yeah. Because, I mean, we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but that was one of my, so I was one of the coaches for this whole shindig last year. And one of my big issues with it was, I was trying to help these people participate in this kind of weight loss challenge, and it was a good thing kind of in and of itself, but it's like that competitive piece to it was almost like, okay, there's this thing in the back of my mind that's like, let's lose weight at all cost, Yeah, you know, yeah. and not necessarily like teaching them, okay, this is how I live the other 330 days of my year, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, I think what you're trying to get to with this year's thing is taking a little bit of the reins off of, like, the exact numbers. Um, yeah, and just making it, like, okay, let's develop some new habits during this time. Yeah, we don't want to create bad habits. I mean, that's kind of counterproductive. Um, and when we talk about right. different things with right. stress and right. stressors um, with things, I mean, how does... Uh, you know, we'll say Susie, how does Susie deal with the stress of not losing 10 pounds a week once her six-week challenge is done because she went back to her normal lifestyle mm -hmm. and she's eating things again and drinking things again and, you know, mm -hmm. moving the way she was moving and not, you know, doing two days every day and um, right. limiting herself to yep. 700 calories a day or something, you know. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's the thing that we <coughs> want to take away because that's kind of like a – okay, I want to win this competition for something as silly as like a TV. Right. Um, but, but at the end of at the end of it, you could really damage your long-term, you know, health yeah. and, uh, and everything you're doing to, to kind of progress your health by trying to win a challenge. And that's right. the last thing we want. Um, so like I said, we changed it. Um, you know, we love, there's such a, there's such a trigger word in this whole community thing and all these box gyms and, you know, uh, group training gyms and stuff like that. Um, but but this is another instance where we're trying to promote the community side of things too. Um, you know, can I be on a team with Alex who's really working out for just to be healthy and he wants to, to do the competitive side and he loves to treat it a little more like a sport um, and you're going to be on the same team as, you know, Susie who's just trying to lose weight. She really is just here to lose weight. Mm -hmm. um, but what I saw last year, which kind of gave us the idea for this, is um, a client of mine named Becky she had been scared to death of the group class model and I, I had introduced her to the group classes and she just it was not her jam and so that's how we started doing individual training and so we started doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one stuff and as we did our one-on-one -on -one stuff she was gaining more confidence and she was building these good habits and she was starting to lose weight um still didn't really want to get back into those group classes yet um and there was a random friday which uh she wanted to, to work out when i couldn't because i had to coach class and it happened to be when they released the first CrossFit Open workout last year. And she's like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do. Am I going to work out on Friday or whatever? I'm like, yeah, just come to class. And she's like, well, what's class? <laughs> and I already know. <laughs> it's on Thursday. I already know. And I, I know it's going to be the first open workout, so it's going to be hard. And I'm like, oh, you'll be fine. It's, it's going to be pretty easy. It's not bad. It's good. So she comes, and it's <laughs> literally like my, my least favorite workout of last year. Like 20 minutes, terrible. nothing but oh, dumbbell dude, snatches. That was my favorite. <laughs> yeah, well, of course it was. And, and burpee box overs. <laughs> and so we scale it. You know, we break it down to where she's doing a dumbbell snatch, and she's doing these burpee step overs and whatnot. And it triggered something uh, in her that kind of just helped her to just push a little harder. Nice. And, and it's been no turning back ever nice. since. Um, so we think we can we can kind of have a similar effect doing that um, with other people, and, and hopefully yeah. this will this will kind of be the 
the the match to to light that fire. Yeah, I mean, so the what what's really cool about the CrossFit Games Open specifically, and that's this five week thing that you're referring to, is it's it's this this big pool of literally the fittest people on the planet, and down to people who like they've literally never done this type of thing ever in their entire life and the way that it's structured is completely scalable to both ends and that person can right next to the fittest on earth do something that looks very similar uh and do that side by side and both extremely beneficial for both of them right and that's and and that's the cool part and you know we've taken um for people that are interested in doing this with us um We've taken out really that competitive side of like, okay, how fast did you do that workout with this team trim down? It's not about like, okay, you know, Alex is awesome at fitness and the CrossFit side of things from a competitive side. So his team's going to be stacked because they have you Um, because someone can get just as many points by eating well that week, meal prepping their stuff, drinking enough water, you know, all these getting enough greens in and this, that, the other. And um, there are other ways to get those points so that. I think we can create, you know, kind of a, a habitual atmosphere mm-hmm. as opposed to just this competitive atmosphere um, yeah. in itself. That's good. Super cool. How do uh, people find information for that? Uh, if you go to our 1031 Fitness Facebook page, we have a link on there. Um, otherwise, I will uh, give you a link to drop below this as well. Perfect. Um, and we can get signed up there. Starts the 19th. So what is that, 10 days? Uh, uh, no. Yes. That's, yeah. yeah, that yeah. is 10 Today's days. Yeah. 10 yeah. days. Yep. What about... You personally, how do people follow you? Because you're doing this thing, this really, this big health challenge right now. I'm doing, I'm doing a Chick-fil-A challenge. If you want to see what it looks like for someone to eat Chick-fil-A, 1,500 calories every day. Um, you can follow me. That's all on Instagram. It's A-Y-Y-T-E-E-L-A-T-O. Is there some health? Is there anything to do with health no, I'll break this down real quick. We'll, we'll end it with this. So there, this is what this is all sparked from. and Not many people know this. So back when I was in college, um, it was when I was getting into this whole fitness thing. Uh, you probably remember Chad Ochocinco, the wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, Chad Johnson. So he put these all these YouTube videos out there where he would eat McDonald's all the time. And he would say shredded and he would be jacked and all this stuff and whatnot. So I, I'm like thinking to myself, and I thought of it recently, because back when I was in college, I'd have all these guys. And they would be like, well, I'm just going to eat McDonald's because that's what Chad Ochocinco eats. And he, you know, he's jacked. Like, I can eat McDonald's all the time. And they constantly would realize that they, they cannot stay jacked like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a spark of conversation, to be honest with you. Um, we've got blood work taken and whatnot to see that, that side of things. So that'll be cool. Um, nice. If you, if nice. You guys might dude. need to talk about that. Um, and, uh, and then so after 30 days of it, 1,500 calories every single day, um, except for Sundays because they're not open. And I'm not going to reheat some chicken nuggets. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm against it. Um, so we'll do that for 30 days. And then uh, I just want to discuss it afterward, kind of open up a conversation kind of like we're having right now um, to look at, you know, all the different factors in I think you guys did a podcast on this, but in eating for health versus eating for performance and eating for aesthetics, um, yeah. you know, how you look. And there's a reason why a bodybuilder eats one way and, um, you know, someone else eats another way based on what they are, are doing and stuff like that. So, so it really, as crazy as it sounds, it is to spark a good conversation. Um, and if you want to know, I am almost sick of it already after 10 days, nine days, nine days, so, nine, <laughs> days nine days. So. Uh, actually, have you been there today? Maybe it's only eight days. I have been there. T- I have been okay. there today. Okay. I have been there today already. Nine days. <laughs> But you can follow that along. Uh, it's on Instagram, A-Y-Y-T-E-E-L. A-Y-Y-T-E-E-L. And really, we're just having you on the show so we can siphon some of your Instagram followers. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Are we done? <laughs> we can be. Why? Unless you got something else. I just got to go on a soapbox real quick. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. So I have a patient that I'm really trying to help with, some, with a, something really serious with her health. And we've had some good success um, with what we've already done, but um, she's kind of moved. She's received some feedback from other healthcare providers. Um, so now it's kind of like, what are they saying versus what am I saying? And uh, there, it does. It's not lining up. Um, so what that's turned into is this other healthcare provider potentially is per, is covered by her insurance, where what I do is not. Hmm. So there's that whole thing that plays into it. She would love to receive, do what this person's saying or not do what this person's saying based off of that. Um, but it got to the point where we were just like, okay, we have to do it. So uh, she asked her insurance if what I was going to do for her was going to be covered, and they said no. And uh, 
So she told me that and I said, well, why don't I just contact this insurance company and see why, why not? So basically I said, why don't you guys cover chiropractic? And are you going to do that in the future? This is what they told me. They said, similar to other alternative treatments, they are ineligible for CHM sharing because the treatment types are not those that are generally accepted by the medical community and researched and published in reputed medical journals, widely understood and accepted as mainstream medical treatment and have properly listed common procedural treatments. So basically they're saying because medicine doesn't want it to be covered, you're not going to be covered, which is the same medicine medical community that is supposed to be keeping us healthy and getting us healthy when we're not, but we're the sickest country in the entire world, and we lead the world in heart disease and cancer, and diabetes and depression and autoimmune diseases, and our kids are the sickest they've ever been on the entire planet, but that's who they want to take their information from. So I say that to say this, continue to listen to what we're saying on this podcast, continue to listen to people like Austin here, because what they're doing doesn't cost thousands and thousands of dollars like you were if you were to go into the medical community and receive care. But what they're doing is way more beneficial, and it's going to prevent you from having to enter into situations like this where now you need some sort of insurance company to decide what kind of care you're going to get. Don't end up in that situation, right? Eat what you're supposed to eat, exercise, sleep, take care of stress management, all of the things that we try to talk about, get together with people that know what they're talking about for those things so you don't have to deal with this bull crap and basically take health out of you, your responsibility, right? Keep health being your responsibility. You're going to be much better off for it. Cool. That was me dropping my mic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, thank you for listening in. Um, check out Austin stuff. Ten thirty one. Um, is it ten ten thirty one fitness dot com? Yeah. Is that one zero three one? Yep. One zero three one fitness dot com. Facebook's probably the Facebook's easier, cool too, but yeah, yeah, way yeah, to do that. Um, yeah. Cool. Hopefully, maybe maybe you'll get some folks off the podcast. Maybe you do. One That'd day. be awesome. Maybe you get some of my followers too. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> we'll uh, stop this so they can turn the music up and lift heavy things. And, and then I need you to take a picture of me with this microphone on. Run and scream. Oh, yeah. Deal. So that I can put it on Instagram. The camera?